Hey, it's Vibe, and it's time for another episode of the Army of Game Changers podcast, a series of shows where I ask my friends in the business world to share their best career and leadership advice. And my short format podcasts are distilled into snack-sized chunks so you can get the advice you want quickly and start implementing these insights immediately into your personal and professional journey. On today's show, I've got my good friend Bob McKnight, the co-founder of Quicksilver, one of the biggest board sports lifestyle brands in the world. We talked about recent events that shook the Quicksilver family and also reflected on Bob's journey in building this powerhouse brand along with the lessons learned, friends made, and the challenges he overcame. So let me introduce you to my friend Bob. Hey, good morning, Bob. It's Vipe. How are you? What's going on? <laughs> How are you, Vipe? I'm very involved with Quicksilver still uh, from sort of an ambassador and a, uh, a counselor. <laughs> I, they call me a tribal elder over here now, but I'm doing a lot of, you know, a certain amount of work for Quicksilver, just showing up at events and doing like team rider tours up and down the coast to uh, see our accounts. Um, I just took a big group up to Montana last week for a snowboard trip. There were the snow reps, the, the people that work on snow product here, like our merchandisers and took up uh, five, uh, actually six different accounts from around the country. One of our team riders, Austin, Austin Sweden, came. So it was just a great trip. We had perfect powder that snowed every single night while we were there. Super fun trip. But I'm still doing stuff like that. And, um, you know, I had to take a, a very sad trip uh, three weeks ago to France in light of our uh, recent, our CEO that passed away, Pierre Agnes in a boating accident in France. So that was very sad, but it was also really interesting and rewarding and, you know, emotional, all that from a lot of different angles. But um, a lot of our Quicksilver people, you know, executives, um, the original founder, Alan Green, a lot of our executives and people that have been with me for a long time, either past or present, we're all there. You know, we all, had a lot of laughs, a lot of chats, a lot of hugs, a lot of tears, but it was it was a horrible reason to get together. But as it turned out, it was kind of um, it was wonderful all at the same time to to um, be with all those you know people. A lot of our a lot of our team riders, like Tom Carroll, Robbie Nash, Ross Clark Jones, Kelly Slater, you know, all showed up, and it was a very emotional, fantastic week. But like I said, over sort of a sad uh, occurrence. Yeah, Bob, I was really sorry to hear about Pierre's passing. Uh, I can't imagine how hard it's been on the Quicksilver family, but it also sounds like it was an opportunity for a reunion amongst friends to celebrate uh, Pierre's life. Yeah, so, you know, Pierre and I were very, very close. He's like a brother to me, or maybe like a son. Um, he came to Quicksilver. I met him when he was 15 years old. He was uh, on the French national surfing team. And he started, you know, in the warehouse, boxing up shorts for team riders and then actually, you know, working at servicing the team riders. And, and as a, you know, a, I'm a longtime CEO and chairman of the board of a big public company. I'm also a father myself. And uh, to see him go from a 15-year-old team rider all the way to being the CEO of our $2 billion, you know, billion and a half dollar company uh, was really um, gratifying to me. And uh, he, he and I were very close. And um and uh, it, was, it, was, it was a very sad moment, that's for sure, when he passed. What you just said there about knowing Pierre for so long and how long he was part of Quicksilver is something I know that you're known for. So many people came through Quicksilver. 
stayed with the brand, but also went on to experience other successes. Quicksilver and you, Bob, were the launch pad for so many people's careers in the surf industry. You were directly responsible for their careers. How and what did you do to help these people, and what lessons did you pass along to them? Well, you're right about this. You know, we, we sort of started in Quicksilver 1976. So if you look back in that time period, it was really the kind of the ground zero of action sports. Um, when we started, there was no SEMA uh, organization. There was no ASR trade show. Um, there was really just a couple of loosely knit companies that were trying to do some product for surf shops. And uh, as we grew, it grew, all of us grew into a, you know, multi-bazillion dollar business between all the brands and all the retailers and, and you know, team riders being able to make a living surfing and, or snowboarding or skating. Um, but all that was back in the day when we started. So I'm not saying we're responsible for all that, but we certainly were at ground zero for the beginnings of that and the, and the follow-through for that. So, so many people have come through our company that I'm, that I, just adore and you know part of my life and whether it's an employee a, you know a shop owner um, and now their kids um, team riders uh, it just goes on and on and on so um, we have had a lot of people and I and I, the most important lesson I would teach is just if you're in a manager position or you're running a company or starting a company you just have to have, you just have to have good integrity you know and be honest with people and be communicate all the time and and don't be afraid of telling, you know, somebody or something when something's wrong and something needs to be corrected or aligned with your country or a, a company mantra and where it's going. I think that um, the uh, the plan and the journey are very busy, uh, different. So, you know, when you can make a business plan and all that kind of stuff, which, of course, it clicks over, but the actual journey, you know, changes five minutes into the business plan. So you got to be pretty loose on your feet and, have a good sense of humor and be very, um, uh, you know, communicate with people uh, as much as you can, and just make sure that you set the precedent as the as the leader and your and whatever whatever your mission is, whatever you're doing, and make sure you just stick to your knitting and not not be all over the place and not the original spirit of why you're in a, in existence. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, I think that. You know, for me, I, I was lucky that I found something that I loved, which was surfing, and I and I made a career of building products for the surfing world. Um, but there is a lesson there, and that you know, if you've got to wake up every day and go into work and deal with all the problems, because there's always problems, it's never easy. But to deal with all the problems and and uh, communicate with all your employees, keep them you know solid on the path, and and then pay the bills and run a, a P&L and look over a balance sheet. And for me, being a, you know, uh, the CEO of a public company and all the board of directors, anyway, all that stuff you got to do, you better be in something that you love. And because you, you whether you, it's a good zone or a bad zone, you still got to wake up every day and work your butt off. So I think it's um, advisable to find something that, you really love or something that is fun or something that at least when you wake up every day, you have that emotional connection to the products or the service or whatever you're doing where it isn't, you're not really going to work. You're, you're waking up every day and you're doing something fun and 
So for me, I've, I've felt like I've been at it for over 40 years and I've never had a real job, um, even though it was a huge job. But I, I think, and I think that I see these millennials and I have my kids and, and they're all trying to figure out their career path and what they're doing and this, that, whatever. And I always tell them just, Hey, you know, it's, if you don't know what you're doing, just take a break, go on a trip, go on a surf trip, go travel the world, see, you know, meet some people, see another culture, open up your, open up your aperture and bandwidth to other things going on. You know, you never know. You might meet somebody, you might connect with somebody, um, you might start a business with somebody. And for me, you know, when I got out of college at USC, after all that grind, I went to Bali. I went on a surf trip and I met my future wife on the surf trip at <laughs> 36 years now. And I met my future business partner, Jeff Hackman, on the surf trip. So for me, the travel is important. But other than that, I see my own kids and they're looking for different things and zones. And so take your time, go on a trip or don't, but take your time and really think about your next move because you only need one next move. You don't have to do 30 next moves. So take your time a little bit and find something that's really important to your life or that you would have fun doing or it's a zone that you love and feel very passionate about. But to me, it's it's all about that. It's it's finding something you love to do, you're passionate about, you can't wait to wake up the next morning and go grind on it because it's fun. And I think there's enough jobs out there, enough um, opportunity um, to uh, find something like that. And I really, um, I, I would push that hard in anybody I, I speak to. Yeah, I agree. Passion's definitely something that runs deep in the action sports industry, but it's also business. And when you're a public company, it can suck that passion right out of your system. But you and the team at Quicksilver pushed through even when there were strong headwinds. But glad to hear that you always kept things in perspective. And I like that last little bit of find something that you love doing. So let's talk about leadership. You went from driving up and down the coast, selling board shorts out the back of a car, and then it grew Quicksilver into this multi-billion dollar business, publicly traded, faced some major challenges along the way, but Quicksilver blazed a trail for other companies. And along the way, you went through this transformation from surfer to leader. What was the toughest thing about being a leader, and what's your advice to other leaders? Yeah, well, at Quicksilver, we, you know, Jeff and I, Jeff Hackman and I started it, like I said, in 76, and, and, uh, we, we never, ever, ever thought it would become really big or really anything. I, I told Jeff, I want to do this for a year, and I'm going to go back to business school at USC, and I'm going to go into film business. <laughs> that, that was my, you know, my, my attack mode at Quicksilver. So, and, you know, to have it grow to two and a half billion dollars is biggest. Um, and me at the helm and being the chairman of the board of this big New York public company, I, you know, with three areas of, of, of operations in Asia Pacific and the Americas and all through Europe and three time zones and 40,000 FKUs every quarter and, you know, all the responsibility and liability and everything that comes along with that. I think the biggest thing is how do you, how do you go from, graduating, you know, undergraduate student at USC, a surfer, and end up being a CEO of a two and a half billion, I mean, billion dollar company. The, the government doesn't send you a pamphlet on how to do that. You really don't learn that in school. You don't have, this is a benefit of reading books and following other companies and other people's career paths 
and or you know having personal contact with mentors um you, you really i mean it's 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 like a skill that you just have to like learn and uh and grow into you don't you don't you're not taught it and it's, for me it you know wasn't natural i had to really, um work hard at at, at at you know being with my people the people that work for me and and earning their trust and showing them that i'm just like you guys i you know, we're all the same. We're all a family. We're all a team, um, and we're 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 in this together. And here's where we're going from this A to Z. And here's what I expect you guys to do every day, every week, every quarter, every season, whatever it is. And I'm not going to bug you. I'm, you're not going to be on time clocks. But I just expect that you you know your job. You know. For design, you have to design a line. You have to have it done in three weeks. You have to have it ready for the show. You have to have samples ready. You have to be on the calendar. You have to get the goods ordered. All the all the parts and pieces that go along with every product. I mean, that's your job. So I just expect, and I honor you that you're going to do that job, and I trust you. And that's the way I kind of ran the company. I, I was the CEO, but I had certainly great managers around me, and I figured they're the resources, and I'm going to take care of you guys financially and mentally and everything else but you have to like run the race <laughs> and if you run it fine you're fine for life but if you don't run it well then we're gonna have a different conversation so for me i just i i brought people in that i i could could count on and i trusted and had them do the job and and then i was just became kind of like a grand orchestrator of it and i made them you know, align the communication and them align the meetings and call for the, you know, the systematic running and the process of the company, all that kind of stuff. And that worked well for me. So I, in, in, in this, in, um, uh, I guess I just hired people that I, I thought could do the job and trusted them and then plugged in all the nuances of the company into that system. And I, you know, watched over from 5,000 feet, but I'm the one that had the, I was, Say the the emotional leader, and I made the toasts, and I made the speeches, and you know, and sh and showed up at events, and and really like orchestrated it from the top, and became the supreme leader, whatever you want to call it. But but to me, all those other people really ran the company, and I'm very proud of all of them because all of them, whether they're still here or not, have had gone off to great careers. Quicksilver is a great proving ground and a great place to you know, if you have a resume from Quicksilver, you did a job, then you were hireable in two seconds. And I was very proud of that because we, we, we were a public company, so we had a certain amount of criteria and stuff we had to produce on time. And, you know, and the, and the clock never stopped for Quicksilver with all the time zones and all the stuff we had to do for our own business and for Wall Street and for, and for our shareholders and for just running the business. So um, the expectations were high. Fortunately, the place was loose because we're in fun products with fun people and fun team riders and fun accounts and fun vendors. So all that stuff was great, but someone had to, you know, keep all the cats herded and make sure they all performed on time to expectations. And I guess that was me. But but um, we had so we had we have and continue to have so many great people. So I think it's about the individual integrity of the boss and instilling that finding people that are aligned culturally and mentally and and have the same um, uh, the educational uh, resume or whatever to match those jobs and to do their job well without having, you know, 24-hour supervision.
All right, so I think he hit on something there in that there's no book or lesson that teaches people how to run big companies. You just have to learn things on the go. And surrounding yourself with good people sounds like a smart way to run any business, so thanks for sharing that. Look, thanks for sharing your insights. I know there's so much more you can share, but I like to keep things short and sweet on this podcast. But let me ask you one last question. I know in your new role, you're kind of going back to where you started, which was driving up and down the coast, spending time with core retailers. Do you still get the same stoke now as you did back then? <laughs> well, yeah, that is definitely another message to everybody who either starts a company or works in a company and you know, small companies, startups, whatever, is that, you know, there's no better day than right now and there's no worse day than right now. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a grind, but... That, looking back on those days, I remember waking up at dawn and driving to L.A. and buying fabric with Jeff and then coming down and cutting the you know, fabric myself to, to get the pieces ready to go for our seamstress, which was down in Oceanside, take the goods down there, pick up some goods. Jeff put the snaps in every pair of shorts, as an iron every pair. And then we get my car, we go up and down the coast and deliver the shorts and collect the money. And it was such a grind. And I, at the time, I thought, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. But I look back on those days, and they were the best of days. <laughs> and I think of them with nothing but fondness and everything else. And the only way I can, I can keep going is to keep recreating those days. So I, I still go out with the reps and the managers, you know, the sales managers and visit accounts up and down the West Coast, up and down the East Coast, all over Hawaii. I do it regularly, you know, a couple times a year. And I, and I so enjoy going into those shops that started as like a, you know, a, a, a very small footprint store that sells, used to sell surfboards and wetsuits and wax. And now they're, you know, 10 to 20,000 foot uh, retailers sophistication, all the great brands in there, all the surfboards, all the snowboards, all that stuff. And and now it's the, the, the person I used to communicate with, well, now it's their kids that are in there running the show, the show and the store. And that just makes me so happy that this has been passed along through generations of these original surf shop owners that now they're big surf shops, they're big retail mavens is what they are. They're specialty, experiential retail stores. They're so great. And I still love visiting them. And I still like to sit down with the, with the, with the owner slash manager, my friend, and their kids and talk about products, you know, and talk about the board shorts and talk about our team riders and the events and things that are going on at WSL and where I've been and what I've seen and the places I've surfed. And, and all that stuff is still super, super fun to me. And, I, and that's the part I always enjoyed from the very beginning. And I still enjoy a thousand percent today. Bob, you're still a Grom. I love your passion and your spirit, my friend. Thanks again for jumping on the podcast, and let's grab some beer soon. Okay. That's a, that's a for sure. Well, that's it for this episode of the Army of Game Changers podcast. Leadership ain't easy, but Bob sure makes it sound fun even when the going gets tough. So here's another friendly reminder to keep sharing my podcast with your network and don't forget to leave a five-star review for us on the iTunes page. I want to thank my crew at HDX Hydration Mix for making these podcasts possible and keeping me on schedule and on track so we can get these to you every week as quickly as we can. 
Have an amazing week. I'll be back with you soon. I'm Vibe Desai, thanking you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. 